Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. In particular, the last two weeks we spoke on on a, a disciple's marriage. And so we're going to continue kind of in that vein. That's what's really on my heart the most today as I preach this about marriage. And, and what we're going to actually talk about is, is speaking words of life into your marriage. Speaking words of life into your marriage. So, but, so the good thing is, even if you're not married today, the content of the message should be very applicable if you want to be someone that speaks words of life and speaks words of encouragement. So as we go to the message today, and as we begin to talk about this, I want to just encourage you about the lens that we should be receiving the message in today. And that lens is what we've been talking about. We should take it in the lens of a disciple. And not just any disciple. We should take it through the lens of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen? As we've talked about, being a disciple of Christ is not an upper echelon of Christianity. It's not like you get saved and then you're like, well, you're a Christian, but if you really want to be way up there, you're a disciple. No, when we become a Christian, then we should say, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's how we should live our life, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and as we do that, that's the filter we want to look through today. How did Jesus speak? What were the words that he spoke? And maybe you're in here and you're like, hey, well, Pastor Scotty, Jesus wasn't married. So like, you know, you're talking about speaking words of life in marriage. You're right. He wasn't married. But he did speak words of life. And whatever scenario we go into, if we want to speak true words of life, not just encouraging words, but words that bring life, then we need to speak the words that Jesus spoke. Because not only did Jesus speak words of life, Jesus is life. He, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the Jesus that we serve, and that's the way that I want to speak. I want to speak like he does. So if we really want to speak words of life, then we have to speak the words like Jesus would. And it matters what we speak. Amen? So I want to read two texts this morning, and, and the first text you can just read along with me, and, and then the second text we'll actually read out loud together. The first text is Matthew chapter is in Matthew chapter 12. And Jesus has healed, healed a blind man. And the Pharisees, the religious rulers, they, they begin to say, well, he can do that because he's working, I'm just paraphrasing, because he's working for the devil. And they weren't, the Pharisees weren't always the smartest. They'd never learned that they couldn't, they couldn't just trick people or trick Jesus. And Jesus is basically like, what are you, what are you talking about? This is, you're so inaccurate in what you're saying. And he's talking about the, their words and the weight of their words. And here's what he says in Matthew 12, 34 through 37. He says, you, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. I don't want my words to be empty. I want them to be full of life. He said, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. 
Now let's read this next one together, Proverbs 18, 21. If you would, read with me. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. Powerful. I truly believe as I was in worship that God wants to, God wants to help some marriages today. Listen, Shelly and I have been married for over 30 years. We've done a lot of premarital counseling. We've done a lot of biblical counseling with people. And what I know is that marriages, many marriages, have trouble with communication. What I know is that many marriages don't really want to have it feel like anguish and strife, but they, they can't seem to get past it. So every time it goes into communication or conflict, there's hurt and there's pain and there's negativity and they don't speak the words that they really want to. And I want you to know God wants your house to be one that is peaceful. He wants your house to be one that doesn't have turmoil and He wants to help you today. Not only that, even if you're not married today, you're going to be married probably one day, and I want you to carry this right. If you're not married, you can speak into situations that God put you in, and you can bring the peace of God into those situations. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about how to speak words of life and specifically into our marriage. So Father, we thank you that your word is here today. We thank you that Holy Spirit, you are here today and you're speaking. And I pray you speak to our heart. My prayer is that today, if we've spoke words that are negative and words of death and words that are harsh, that you would speak to our heart and we would repent. And we would have hope that those words can change and we can be ones that speak life. It's by your power. I pray you would speak through me today, Lord. Let our hearts be ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat this morning. Amen. Man, words are, words are just so powerful, you know. As I, as I was preparing this message, this is a big thing for me and a big thing for Shelly. As uh, we got married very young, 19 and 18, and we said... We made lots of mistakes, I can tell you that. We made lots of mistakes. And I probably made way more than, than she did, being 19 and being immature. And I'm 50 and immature. All the men said, amen. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of, you're like, okay. Uh, and we made lots of mistakes. But one, one of the things that we did say that I think was so pivotal for us is we said, there are going to be some words we just don't allow in our marriage. There's going to be some things we will not call each other, even joking or in jest, because, because we know that they, they won't produce anything good. You know, because the way the words matter, and the way you say the words, and the way you do things, are, they really matter. You know, I was thinking of, I don't know about you, but have you ever thought that you, you, you had a phrase or something that you would say, and you thought, you know, you were saying it right, only to find out you were totally wrong. I don't know if it's any of you. I am notorious for doing this. Notorious. I do this all the time. For, and Shelly, she's very good at grammar. So she, she helps me out with that. Not, not correcting me all the time, but she helps me out with that. Uh, 
And so for, so you've probably heard the phrase, it's kind of an old phrase, you've heard the phrase bull malarkey. Anybody heard bull malarkey? Yeah, bull malarkey. You know, it means like it's a better way not to say, you know what I'm saying. Hey, man, yeah. Some of you really know what I'm saying. Like, let's not use bull malarkey. Let's just say what you mean. Um, but it's kind of like that same jest, you know, that's a bunch of bull malarkey. Well, for a long time, for a long time, then it became a joke. But when I started saying it wasn't a joke, I really thought it was bull monarchy. Bull monarchy. And I would say this all the time. And Shelly, one time she's like, monarchy's not a word. And I was like, sure it is. It's a word. And so we had this ongoing joke. And she's like, it's not a word. So one day I looked up and I showed her that monarchy is a word. She said, yes, but you're not using it in the right context. I said, okay, I, get, I give you that one. And then, uh, and then I, I'm also notorious for just, you know, creating uh, uh, words, combining words together. But I also, I wish I could say that I just did that because I was really witty, but I really did it because I thought that was the word for a long time. And you know that often when you get uh, tired and you're not functioning on all cylinders, you could actually be groggy. Anybody know what I'm saying? Anybody? You know, groggy, right? Yeah, for a long time, what I said was, you're droggy. And Shelly, once again, my loving wife, said, droggy is incorrect. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's not droggy. It's groggy. And I said, well, I was just com combining drowsy and groggy together. I think that makes sense, right? You know, we say things, I do that, I still do that all the time, and, and, and it's like what happens, but how we say words and what we say really matters. Words have such power. They, man, words are powerful, right? God, he, he created everything. He spoke things into existence. God spoke things into existence. The creator of the universe spoke things into, into existence. Jesus would heal. He would say, be healed. He would say, I mean, words have power. Words can, can be bridges that, that connect us, or it can actually be barriers that divide us. It can. Words can be those things that, that you know, that tear people down, or they can be those things that actually build, build people up. Words have such power. They can they can spark imagination and cause you to dream, or they can, they can dull your senses. They can, they can destroy what you're thinking, and, and th that's the power of words. And I want to ask you today, when it comes to your marriage and when it comes to your relationships, do you want to speak words of life, or do you want to speak words of death? Now, you may be thinking, Pastor Scotty, that sounds pretty... Sounds pretty extreme. That sounds a little dramatic, words of life versus words of death. But I don't really think it is dramatic. I've seen words spoken into someone's life cause depression, anxiety, destroy their life. And you're saying, well, yeah, but they need to be stronger than that. Well, you, I'm telling you, it happens all the time. I've seen people in their adulthood still dealing with words that were spoken into their life when they were young. We've seen it. We've seen words that destroy. And even if, if you're not talking about ultimate death, which I think it could even lead to that, what Jesus tells us in John 10, 10, that, that I come that you may have life and have it to the full, but the enemy comes at you that, to kill, steal, and destroy. 
So he wants to bring death to things in our life, and he will use words to do it, right? Just, he, just as God speaks the truth to set you free, the enemy speaks lies and will use people to do the same thing, to speak harshly, to tear you down. I've seen, I've seen words cause death to dreams in people. I've seen, I've seen them give death to self-esteem and to worth and to tear down somebody. I've seen words give death to, to friendship in marriage. See, your marriage is supposed to be uh, friendship. Your, your spouse is supposed to be your best friend. But I've seen people believe words that their spouse is actually out to get them, or that's not what it looks like, and it brings death to the very friendship that God had for you. I've seen words speak death to the covenant and the vows taken in marriage. We've all seen it. And we know divorce, even in Christian circles, is, is really high as well. And if you've been divorced today, it's not, this isn't a message to tear you down or, or place guilt on you. I know things happen. I get it. I know things. There's some things that, that, that are a valid cause for divorce. I get all that. But I'm just telling you, that's not what God wants. That's not, that's not God's perfect intention. Thank God that He can help us get past that and we can still have an amazing life in Him. But I've seen words bring death, and I've also seen words bring life. I've seen, I've seen people that had believed a lie for so long that they were spiraling down, and literally by people speaking words into their life, life-giving words, it transformed them. They were renewed. They changed. They had hope. They stepped back into what God had called them to be instead of believing the lie that what the enemy told them they were, and they had victory. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've spoken words into people just as you can too. It's not about me being anything special. It's about all of us being able to understand that we can speak the words of life. I've seen, I've seen words breathe life to people's dreams. I see, I've seen words give life to self-esteem and worth. I've seen words give life to friendship in your marriage, to trust one another. And I've seen words give life to the covenant of marriage and to the vows that you took before God and let it begin to spring forth forth this beautiful thing that marriage was meant to be yeah. amen i've seen it and i believe it and if you want to speak life-giving words into your marriage if you want to do that then i'm just going to encourage you to do it take on the the mantra the, the mantra of nike from years ago just do it you're like pastor scotty i i don't you don't understand, I, 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 I want to do it, and, and we'll start out, and I'll start out trying to do it, and then I just can't control myself any longer. I'm just going to tell you that, that that excuse needs to die. I get it, but I'm telling you there's a way to go past it. Take ownership of your words. Take ownership of your words. Don't blame others. Don't blame others for where you're at. Take ownership of your words. And if, if all your life has been about negativity, if how you, were, how you grew up, if, you're, if you're, all you heard from your parents, all, if all you heard from your family was negativity, speaking 
harsh things to you, tearing you down. I understand. I understand those things are hard to overcome. I get it. I know it's not easy. I know it's not difficult, but I'm telling you, you can change it. Even if wronged in life, we can move from the victim to the victor. Our speech can change from one of a victim to one of a victor because Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave, and that same power lives in you and can bring you victory in every area of your life. Come on, I want you to get it. I want to speak the language of our Savior. And it was life. Jesus spoke life, and I choose to follow in his steps. Amen? Amen. We need to allow God to take control of our tongue. Then our attitude will follow. You're like, Jesus, you know, Jesus, take the will. I get it. But some of you are asking Jesus to take the will, but you're still saying all kinds of stuff that you don't need to be saying. Jesus needs to take hold of your tongue. So how do we do it? How do we intentionally say, I'm going to change. I'm going to, I'm going to allow, I'm going to, I'm not going to speak that way. Guys, I know this is hitting today. And I, I know if you're, if you will be honest, I know God's speaking to a lot of people. And I want you to know he's not speaking condemnation. He's speaking hope. Because every part of us should be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And as a disciple of Jesus, we should speak differently. And and especially in our marriage. So how do we intentionally do it? How do we intentionally speak life-giving words over others? How do we intentionally speak life-giving words over our husband, over our wife, over our children? How do we intentionally do it? Well, I believe... It's right here in the scripture that we share off the bat, and I want to share it again. Matthew 12, 34 through 37. Jesus says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Everyone say full. Full. Thank you. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. Everyone say stored. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Everyone say stored. But I tell you that everyone will, give, will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Just as I said, so often we try to change. Not just with words, but we try to change. And then it's like, it's like we maybe make a little progress, but let's, let's say in the way that we speak in our conversations... And we say we can't control it. We just lose it, just like I said. And here's, here's why. I think it's because we, we focus so much on changing the behavior of what would come out of our mouth, of what we would speak. But the greater focus should be changing what goes in. The greater focus should be what changes what goes in. Focus on what goes in, and it will change what goes out. Focus on what goes in, and it will change on what goes out. See, that's the problem. We think we have enough willpower. We're used to, in our humanity, we'll just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get it done. But there's some things so deep-seated in us and negativity and speaking words of death that we, we try to do it, but we can't do it in ourselves. We need the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working through us. So I'm saying, let's change what we take into our spirit, and then it will change what comes out of it. 
but I'm not the only one saying it. I think someone greater said it, and his name is Jesus. He said, you're going to speak what you're full of. What's stored in your heart is what's going to come out. So I want to focus on that. Let's stop storing death and start storing life. So I want to give you the five W's of good storing. The five W's of good storing. The who, what, when, where, and why of what we should store in our heart and how we should store the good. Number one, the who. Don't know what that is. Connor's on it. Oh, done. Someone's uh, food is done in the microwave. <laughs> Someone's had some popcorn. Um, it's the who. Number one is who. How do we store good stuff? Who matters? See, you decide who you allow to speak into your life. You decide. You're like, yeah, but listen, if you, it's your decision. You're like, yeah, but man, I don't know, Pastor Scott, I don't know if I should, I know these guys aren't speaking good into my life, but man, they've been my friends forever. I'm not saying they, that they, you can't care for them. I'm not saying that you can't even be a friend to them. But what I am saying is that you better sever the all the time connection with them because as long as you're continually around them, it's going to feed into you. I'm telling you right now. There's a reason why negative people hang out with each other because they feed one another. You know it's true. You know it's true. There's a reason why people that like to gossip and run people down hang out with each other. Amen, Pastor Scott. That's good. I know it is. Come on, that is the truth. It is the truth. There's a reason why positive people hang out with each other. And if you're negative, I know you annoy, they annoy you. And you probably go talk about them. You may go talk about me behind my back. That's God, he's always looking on the bright side. I tried to tell him the other day, oh, man, this is it. And he's like, but you know what? And I just wanted to slap him right in his face because I just wanted to be sad. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're negative, I am not hanging out with you. I might, you know, be courteous. We might have a coffee every once in a while. But if it's constantly negative, I am not connecting myself to you. I'm not going to do it. You will suck the life right out of me. And you will probably hate me because I'm going to challenge every negative thing you say. I don't know if you remember, remember the Titans. But remember, remember the Titans. And, and remember the Titans. Uh, Gary Batier, you know, he was like the captain. And one of the guys was like not on board and he was, he was not doing his job. If you're an offensive lineman, you know what I'm talking about. He was missing his assignments on purpose, letting the guy come through. And, and he goes to the coach and just tells him like, hey, you know, I know he missed that on purpose. And he's like, well, you know my rule. I don't, I don't cut people like that. He goes, but you're the captain. And he's like, sometimes you just got to cut a guy loose, coach. And I'm telling you. Some of you have believed the lie that if you don't spend time with someone, then you're, no, you're not your friend anymore. That's not true. But you should be careful who you yoke yourself to. The who matters. You decide. If you want to be filled with life, then hang out with life-giving people. Starting with Jesus. 
spending time with Him. See, you can't talk life-giving and you can't talk like Jesus if you never hear His voice. Because you catch things from people. You catch things from people when you're in their presence. Come on, you know it's true. You know you've worked with someone before and they have some little saying they say all the time that you've never said in your life. And then you go home and you're saying it and your spouse is like, why are you saying that? You're like, I don't know, Connor says it all the time. I mean, you just, it just starts rubbing off. So I, I promise you, if you want to speak life-giving words, then who you hang around matters. Amen? It's not just something for a junior high student or a high, high school student. It's for life. Number two, what? What matters? What do we want to store in our hearts? Well, we, Jesus said good, right? We want to store anything that's good in our hearts. Well, here's, here's, the, here's the thing. Who defines what is good? The Word. Not culture. Not culture. Culture doesn't define for us what is good. It tries to define for us what is good, but the Word of God by the Holy Spirit will continually tell us what is good. As we dive into the Word of God, as we hide the Word of God in our heart, it speaks life to us. It is life. The Bible tells us that it's alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's doing work in our spirit. If you want to be life-giving, you've got to know the what, and the what is the Word of God. See, what culture tells you may may seem good, and at times it may even make you feel good, but that doesn't mean that it is good. And we've got so confused because we believe so many things that culture is telling us that we feel guilty sometimes if we really stand up for what is good according to the Word of God because it goes against what all of culture is saying is good. Come on. We get so messed up, but we, I'm saying you got to digest the Word of God because it is good. Just like I said before, there's things that we do that aren't good, but they might make us feel good for a moment, or they might feed our flesh or, or our ego. You know, when we talk about people, that, that it, it, it sometimes makes us feel good running people down. We're just building up our own ego for being honest. Paul says to avoid godless chatter. He said, because it actually is leading you away from God. You're, it's, you're becoming ungodly. We're, we're watching things that aren't good for us. Yeah, they're not words necessarily all the time, but it still is what we're storing up in our heart. What are we listening to? Not just people, but what are we listening to? What podcasts? What music? What You're like, are you saying I can't ever watch anything? No, I'm not saying that. Come on, I probably watch too many, too many sports. I probably watch too many things myself. But I'm, I'm on guard to the things I'm allowing to grip my heart and to fill in. And I am going to be in God's Word. Listen, I like, I like some things that are unhealthy. Come on, I, I grew up eating unhealthy food. I mean, that's what we lived on. I mean, fried potatoes, biscuits. Come on, we had something sweet every night. Cake, little donuts. I, I mean, I was stout. I, I just loved, I, I still love unhealthy food. We eat it on occasion. But I, I, I understand that I had to come to this place where I had to, it, it was good, it was good tasting, but it wasn't good for me. I had to come to a place where I really began to decide what was really healthy for me. 
If I went just off what was good, then, then I was what tasted good, then I'd be deceived all the time. So we had to come to this place where like, yeah, we can eat bad sometimes, we can do this, but the majority of my time, I'm going to be healthy. And then also, too, like, yeah, all unhealthy food doesn't always taste good. But you start seeing that it is good because it, you start feeling better. It start changes you and transforming you. And I promise you, I, Pastor David talked about not too long ago, the law of four. Is that what it was? If you, four days a week, talk, getting into the Word, when you dive into the Word of God, that's what will sustain you. That's what will feed you. That's what will not only give you life, but then will come out of you as life. Amen. Come on we got to be careful who we spend time with for our spirit and what comes in. And then we have to know the what, and that's the Word of God. And number three, we have to know when. We have to know when. When should we be doing this? When should we be pouring the good things in our heart all the time? On a regular, reoccurring basis. Not occasionally, not every once in a while. That does not work because I can tell you, you are being bombarded by everything the world has to offer all the time. That means you have to be regular, consistent in God's Word. Regular, consistent, spending time with people, looking for things to pour into your spirit that's good for you, that brings about life for you. And can I tell you that you have to be intentional and have discipline to do it. There's, I, I, I can't, there's not an easy way. It's like when you've seen someone that, that looks healthy, like you've seen this change in them over all this time, and you, you're like, man, what are you doing? And you're wanting them to say, hey, I've got this little thing you can take, and you'll, you'll transform their life. Oh, I've been eating right. I've been sleeping right. I've been working out right. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. What are you doing, though? Because that that's not what I was looking for. That's not the answer I want. Guys, there, there's no quick fix. To, to be like Jesus and to speak words like Jesus, then we have to be constantly in His presence, constantly looking for ways to put this in us. We must take, make time. It's through discipline to be with Jesus. You must make time to be in the Bible. You must make time to learn how to be a better spouse. You must take time to sit down. I know life's busy. I know you have little kids running around. I know they, that you put them to bed at 8 o'clock or whenever, and they get up every 30 minutes for a drink or to pee or to eat or, or a blister or, or whatever. And, but you've got to make time to be with your spouse, to speak words of life. Make time to listen to what they need. What is really going on in you right now? What is really going on in your life? Make, let, allow this to happen. And can I tell you that some of you have said, and I, or I believe probably have struggled, right? Like you're like, I feel like I, I, feel like I still kind of fall back into that pattern of speaking harshly, speaking, speaking negatively in words of, that are death and not life. Can I tell you that this is a time thing? The maturity of your life and the way that you speak is a time thing. And what I mean by that is month after month, year after year, decade after decade, 
you should mature. There's no quick fix. There are things that now as a 50-year-old that I've tried to really be consistent with my time with God and my time with my wife. There's things now that I don't do that were stupid that I did when I was 25. When I was 30. It's gotten better, better, and better. Don't give up on your time with God. Let Him change your heart day after day. Don't give up. Stay consistent. You won't always it won't always be by your feelings. You won't feel Him every time you pray. It won't be like all of heaven moves every time you pray. You might, so there's sometimes when you read the Bible, it might not be this huge revelation. Don't give up. Let the Bible do its work. Let His presence do its work. Let the good things you store in your heart, because you're storing up, you're storing up, you're storing up, you're storing up. And, the, and Jesus said, then it's going to come out and it's going to be good. Don't give up. When? All the time. And let me add, forever. Come on, it's, it's that important that we store these things in our heart. Number four, where? where? Where do we get the words of life? I love in John chapter 6, as Jesus, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but you, you can go off if you want to go off. And they're like, to whom would we go? His disciples said, to whom would we go? Jesus, you have the words of life. Jesus, you have the words of life. Where else would we go? Where do we go for the words of life? Anywhere Jesus is at. Anywhere Jesus is spoken about. Anywhere Jesus is glorified. Anywhere Jesus has people gathering around his name. I want to be there. Come on. I, when church is happening, I want to be in church. Why? Because we're gathering around in the name of Jesus. It's encouraging to me. It's, God speaks to me. I can't tell you how many times God speaks to me in the middle of worship, even before the message is spoken, about things in my own life, about attitude adjustments. He quickens my heart. Life is spoken to me. It's the fellowship of believers. I want to be in small groups. I don't always want to go to small group, even though Hector and Celia make really good food that is awesome. Not always healthy, but it's still great. It's healthy for my, not even my soul, but it's healthy for my fatness. I don't know. Gets me in touch with my old stout little Scotty. Small group serving. Jesus served. I'm going to serve around other believers. Discipleship, you bet. I want to get someone that helps me, sits across from me, disciples me. Why? Because Jesus is there and Jesus' presence is there. You're like, well, isn't Jesus with you all the time whenever you pray, whenever you do this? Yeah, he's there. When you pray, he, he said he'll never leave you, never forsake you. But there's something powerful that happens when you gather together with other people that are saying the same things and speaking life. So wherever Jesus is going to be glorified and lifted up, count me in. Why? Because what I put in my spirit matters so much because I have to have a change in my heart because it's carnal by nature and I need it to be changed and transformed because of all the crud of this world. Why? Because I want to speak life. It matters to me. How do you store up the good? Who you hang out with? What 
you put in the Bible, the Word of God, when you do it, all the time and forever. We're not stopping. God, I'm your disciple forever. Where? Anywhere Jesus is out. And number five, why? Why do I do it? Because it's a matter of life and death. I have to store this up in me. Because first it gives me life. It renews my mind, right? Romans tells us, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Come on, it changes me. Why do I want to store up the good in my heart? Because it changes me. And two, then it flows out of me. Don't you want to step into situations where people are hurting and full of such pain and anguish and not because you're any better than them, but because Jesus has filled you up. You can begin to share the good news of what he's done for you, how he set you free, how he changed your family, how he delivered you. Don't you want to be able to do that? I want to be able to do it. And I think it's who we're called to be by a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I think it starts right in our home. I want to speak life to my wife. I want to speak life to my children. I want to speak life to my grandchildren. I want to speak life to my great-grandchildren. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a God that speaks through generations. And I don't know what generations you have seen or what's been spoken into your life, but I know what can happen from here on out. I know what your family can be full of. I know what peace can be in your home. I know what you can speak to, and I know you can speak words of life. That's the why. That's the why. Our marriage represents Jesus and the church. When people see our marriage... They should be able to see Jesus in the church. They should be able to see forgiveness. They should be able to see that. They should be able to see care. They should be able to see love. Patience. All the fruits of the Spirit coming out. That's the why. And you know what I love? It's not for a pastor. It's not just for a pastor. It's not just for a worship leader. It's for every person that would say, I'm a Christian. Every person that is a disciple. That's the disciple's life, and that's what our life should look like, and that's what our marriage should look like. So I had this visual that I want to close with. And uh, because you're, you may be thinking, like, you didn't actually say, like, you didn't say, Pastor Scott, you didn't say words that I should actually speak or or how in a setting or a scenario or a situation this will happen. Um, but what it made me think, and I want to if I can put this on real quick. You'll, you'll see. Let me put the mic down. All right, just trying to lighten the mood a little bit. Now, I know you've seen the Karate Kid. No, this isn't an exact replica, but it's pretty close. You're like, now my head's really big, so if this falls off, 
I, I don't it was probably too many fried potatoes, you know what I'm saying? It goes right to the head. But I love, I love that because what we talked about is pouring in, pouring in, pouring in, pouring in, making sure, being diligent. Let God's word be poured in. Let me be changed because Jesus said it's out of the, that's stored in you. And I said, if you take care of that, then what comes out of you will change. If you remember in the karate kid, I love it because, you know, he asked him, he's like, you know, Mr. Miyagi, obviously Daniel Russo, his arms are like this big around. He needed like a lot of karate because he wasn't strong enough to whip anybody. And, and uh, he's like, teach me, teach me karate. And so he has him do all these things that doesn't make any sense, right? Like he has him waxing on and waxing off and waxing on and doing painting and, you know, you know all these different things. And, and then he, there comes that, that moment where he's like, I'm just quitting or whatever, I'm giving up. And then Mr. Miyagi gets him there and he has him stand there, right? You remember? And he's like throwing punches at him. He's like wax on. He waxes on. Then he waxes off. Then he paints the fence. He does all. And he's blocking like every, everything that comes his way. And I just made me think about this, this, like our, our walk with God. Like, I'm just telling you, some of you have not been intentional about what you pour into your spirit. You've been digesting everything. So that's all that can come out. But if you will focus on this, I promise you, just as the fruit of the spirit is born in your life, not because you worked at it, but because you spent time in God's presence, then you're going to be in these situations where you're like, God, I, what if I, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to do. But because you've been filled with all the goodness, these things are going to start coming out of your mouth. So your spouse is going to be like, man, this is a difficult time. I don't know if we can make it. And you're going to say, you know what? Jesus said he'll never leave us or he'll never forsake us. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You're going to be like, where did that come from? You're going to be in an argument where you usually would say things that would cut and would be, would be mean and hateful. All of a sudden you're going to say, honey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Would you forgive me? Your spouse maybe has walked through things in their life that should take them out of the game, that should cause them to, to really just go so far in depression. But you're going to find yourself building them up, and you're going to, t- you're going to start speaking life in them. Hey, babe, God gave me a scripture for you today. He said that he heals the brokenhearted, binding up their wounds. And they're going to have life. And it's not going to be because you're great or because you're good, but it's because of the good stored up in you by the power of God and the Holy Spirit working through you. And you're going to see lives change. And it's because of Jesus. It's because of His goodness. It's because of who He is. Amen. Would you close your eyes this morning? Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.